dancing penguins, heavy metal magicians, cabbages catapulted through the air, Christmas songs sang backwards, and run DMC on a banjolele. It's Matt Ricardo's London Varieties. My name is Matt Ricardo. This month, on the last London show of 2012, live at the Bethnal Green Working Men's Club, I had the pleasure of hosting the scintillating dance moves of Josephine Shaker, the prestigious Magic Brian in his guise as Nigel Blackstorm, the incredibly odd and hilarious Mike Wood, and the reigning king of chat pop, Mr. B the Gentleman Rhymer. But as always, most of the podcast will be devoted to this month's interview guest, who was the delightful Arthur Smith. One of the key figures in the early years of alternative comedy, and with as much to say now as he had to say then, and he says it just as hilariously. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the final Matt Ricardo's London Varieties of 2012. Thank you so much for coming, and in such great numbers. Um, so great. We're going to start with something uh, that I've done before, but I'm going to do it again because I like it. <laughs> Uh, those of you that have been to this show before, you may have seen that routine before. Has anyone seen that routine before? Yeah, like, so, so every, every month of the show, I have tried to do something new. Um, I've tried to learn a new trick or do a new routine every month, but this month I was too busy and I couldn't, so you got an old one, and I hope you liked it, but it is, it is an old one. Um, and the thing is, <laughs> well, I have, like I say, I have tried to learn a new trick every month, but... Most people that try and do new material regularly, these people are stand-up comedians. And the, the workload, the, the creative process for the stand-up comedian is different to that of a juggler. OK, look, I'll try and illustrate this better. Imagine I'm a stand-up comedian. Imagine I'm 20 years younger, got skinny jeans, an ironic T-shirt, a ridiculous haircut, and a whimsical way of looking at life. <laughs> There's a couple in the crowd who are going to beat the shit out of me later. Um, <laughs> so if, if I were a stand-up comedian, then this would be my creative process. The creative process of the stand-up comedian. Step one, have a good idea. Now, that's, that's no mean feat. That is the mainstay of the creative journey. But there it is. Step one, have a good idea. Step two, for the comedian, do the idea in front of people. Take it on stage. <laughs> let people enjoy it, and then the third and final step for the comedian, step three, mock the week. There you go. So that is, I think you'll find, the standard creative process of the comedian, but I'm a juggler. So the process for someone like me, a juggler, is slightly different, has the same starting point, have a good idea. But then the paths diverge slightly. For me, the next step is to spend between six months to five years practising that idea until it works, then do the idea in front of people, and the final step, boom, Dagenham Family Fun Day Summer Fate. Um, which, can I just point out here, I'm gonna see if this thing works, look at that. This, this is a real flyer for a real, a real event, which I'm guessing turned into a bloodbath, because look at the first four things, birds of prey, license bar, fire performance, and have a go archery. That is not an ideal combination. Anyway, so I'm sorry about that. But this evening, our last show of the year, we have got, you know, I, I was just saying backstage, I couldn't be happier. I'm, I'm a happy boy. I've got, 
An amazing lineup. I've got a, a packed house. Should we start the show? Yeah. Okay. Your first act, ladies and gentlemen. Should we get the uh, yes? Our first act. She brings. <laughs> she brings her own floor. That is professionalism. <laughs> oh yes. Don't mind me. I'm just you know. <clears throat> she brings her own floor, ladies and gentlemen. This woman is a dancer. We'll try that again, shall we? <clears throat> this time, imagine you have souls. <sighs> this woman is a dancer. And what a dancer. Amazing. Her left leg does ballet. Her right leg does tap. Between the two, she makes a fortune. Thank you so much. That's my favorite old musical gag. Um, <laughs> you are going to love this. Please welcome your first act, the scintillating Miss Josephine Shaker! you can tell your friends tomorrow you saw tonight. Dancing Penguin! <laughs> so, as you know, those of you that um, have, have seen this show before, or shows like it, or me, or any of this crap, I'm a juggler. I'm a juggler. Um, as I always say, I am a professional juggler. It's been 26 years. I'm 43. It's too late to retrain. I like it no more than you do. Um, but um, the Monday before last, I did a gig at the Magic Circle, which... Well, you know, okay, kind of. Um, which, which should technically be the kind of the kryptonite to jugglers. It's like the magicians are the opposite of jugglers. Magicians are all about secrets, jugglers are all about showing off and openness. So it was nice that they invited me to come and do a show for them. I did a 20 minute set during the 20 minute set, and the audience were all members of the magic circle. So therefore, magicians. Um, during the 20 minute set, I inferred that. A percentage of the audience may be paedophiles. I, I talked in some detail about my testicles. And I juggled four tennis rackets, fumbled a tennis racket, and watched it bounce off a piece of glass on a cabinet, inside of which were the ashes of a magician. So I went home quite quickly after that gig. But one week later... We are, we are literally counting the days until I get thrown out. Because the one thing cooler than a juggler becoming a member of the Magic Circle is a juggler being thrown out of the Magic Circle. So I just intend to steal some stuff and give out secrets. David Copperfield, he's triplets. I don't know. Um, might, I don't know, he might be. Who knows? What if he was and that was actually a secret? That would be weird. Anyway, I am not a magician. I do not do magic. But the next uh, act... 
here in the show does. Now, we were going to have, um, all the way from New York, the amazing Magic Brian, but unfortunately he has been held up in customs and cannot make the show. But in his... <laughs> hang, hang on. I have the, uh, I have the, I'm going to say telegram. Um, in his place, ladies and gentlemen, please give a big London welcome for one of your own, Mr. Nigel Blackstorm. Thank you, Matt Ricardo. Hello, everyone. My name is Nigel Blackstorm. I am the heavy metal magician. Not bad, wasn't everyone, try again. Hello ladies and gentlemen, my name is Nigel Blackstone. I am the heavy metal magician. <laughs> Nicely done. I come all the way from a small town in the south of England called New Jersey. <laughs> and I grew up listening to heavy metal music. Guys, I own every album of Black Sabbath, Judas Priest, Pantera, you name it, I got it. In my lifetime, in my lifetime, I've been over 300, over 300 concerts, all heavy metal. Except one, to be honest, except one. I did go see Justin Bieber. <laughs> like, it's only one time, and it's only because a girl I was dating at the time was a big fan. And you gotta bring an adult to the concert. <laughs> now... <laughs> Mr. Nigel Blackstorm, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> So we have an amazing act to close the first off for you. Um, I'm not going to go on too much. I'm just going to say please welcome the very funny and incredibly odd Mr. Mike Wood. Hello. Hi. <clears throat> so what I'd like to do for you today uh, is... Uh, Catapult a cabbage through the air, catch it on a spike on my head. Yeah! Thank you. Thought of it all by myself. Now, uh, I, I know what you're thinking. Uh, Luke Skywalker meets albino Mick Jagger. You get it? Relax. You're among like minded friends. just filling you up with crazy stuff to say you saw. <laughs> okay, now, those of you that have come to one of these shows before know that um, every month uh, I give a little talk about one of my heroes, the heroes from the world of variety that I <laughs> inhabit the dregs of these days. And um, sometimes it's someone that you will have heard of, sometimes it's somebody that you will not have heard of, and I know that right now everyone's looking at the prop being moved. Um, Ridiculous. Um, 
This month is someone that, uh, unless you do what I do, you probably will not have heard of, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Francis Brun. Yeah, man, wow, is right. One of the greatest jugglers to ever walk the earth, and a really perfect example of the kind of juggler I will never be. <laughs> um, someone went, oh, no, it's okay. I'm the guy in the check suit that swears and talks shit and does bad jokes. He, <laughs> he is perfection. I'm just going to go to my script here so I can tell you the actual facts. Francis Brunn was born on the 15th of November 1922 in Germany. His father, Michael, had been in a French prison camp during World War I and through the barbed wire had seen a circus juggler warming up. He took three stones and copied him and showed the trick to Francis. By 1939, Francis was already world famous as a professional juggler. He was one of the few jugglers who can and has been described truly as an artist. Although he was incredibly advanced in the traditional kind of juggling skill set, he was believed to be one of the first performers to ever juggle 10 rings, for example. What made him special was the way he applied an artist's mind to a juggler's craft. The moment he found flamenco and blended it with his skills as a juggler to create something stunning and unique was the moment he secured his place in the legacy of variety and circus. Dressed completely in black when he did most of his uh, routines, while all of his contemporaries were wearing sequins. Making as much use of stillness as he did of his amazing movement, he rose to the top of his industry and stayed there. He performed for presidents twice. He headlined all the greatest circuses and variety theatres. He was the first juggler to ever headline Ringling Brothers Circus. After he performed for the Queen in 1963, the Evening Standard described his act as almost painfully exciting. Francisco Alvarez, who uh, wrote a book called Juggling Its History and Greatest Performers, which you can still get and is amazing, he described Francis Brun's act as, well, he, say, he said, trying to describe Brun's act is like trying to describe the flight of a swallow. He died in 2004, aged 81, but tonight he is alive, and my God, is he alive. So take a breath. Tonight, it's the 2nd of April, 1961. You're in America, and your TV is tuned to NBC because you're watching The Jack Benny Show. And on The Jack Benny Show tonight, the special guest is Francis Brun. trick you saw was called the Brun finish. It's become a kind of juggler's holy grail. So that final trick, spinning a ball on one finger, on the arm of that finger, spinning two hoops. On this leg, spinning two hoops, ball on stick in mouth, ball on stick on forehead, while juggling three rings with the other hand. <laughs> right? You would think that's just, that's the absolute summit. You can't do any more than that. That's just insane. You would think that, if you hadn't seen Francis Brun's half-brother, Ernest Montego, who a few years after that stole the trick and did it on a unicycle. What a bastard! 
ridiculous, isn't it? I do a thing with a Hannah Kane, yeah. Um, we're just about to go into an interval, um, but before I do, I want to say one more thing. Um, obviously, I prepared that uh, a few days ago. I, I wanted to talk about Bruden for ages because he's one of my heroes. But um, I do like to talk about heroes, and, and it, they're not just famous people, they are genuinely my heroes, the people that kind of influence me. And um, another one of my heroes died last week, um, Eric Sykes. Um, Eric Sykes, to me, was a major part of my childhood. One of the things that I remember my whole family doing was being at home uh, on the sofa watching Sykes, and it makes me very sad that he has gone. So um, we're going to go to interval now, and during the interval I'm going to play uh, the Eric Sykes and Tommy Cooper film, The Plank. So I'll see you in about 15, 20 minutes. Please welcome Mr. Arthur Smith. Thank you. I'm very sorry to interrupt Eric Sykes, was it? Sykes in the plank, yeah. Yeah, do you know know, know a story about Eric Sykes? Apparently, um, he'd always hated Bruce Forsyth. And they met after years, and Bruce Forsyth said, It's been so long since we met, I can't even remember why you hate me. And Eric Sykes said, Well, nor can I, but it's the only thing that keeps me alive. So fuck off. Okay, so I'm going to refer to my notes, but I think fairly soon they'll become moot. Um, <laughs> stand up comedian, uh, presenter, writer, actor. I've done acting. Leonard Cohen impersonator. Who impersonator? Leonard Cohen impersonator. Oh yeah, I am the world's only Leonard Cohen tribute band. <laughs> I don't get a lot of bookings. <laughs> <laughs> um, started doing stand-up when? Uh, I, well, I started doing comedy in a review troupe uh, we, with people we, I met at university and for about four or five years we used to go and it was kind of old school, even for then it was old fashioned. We used to have like big wigs and I mean, used to be Batman quite often. Um, <laughs> and it was sketches and songs and audience participation, which, but then in, you know, in about 1979, 80, you know, that it looked even more old fashioned and, you know, the comedy store opened and I started doing stand up really about 1980. Uh, and I was in a double act for a bit as well. Yes. This will be a fiasco job job? Yeah, yeah, we were, um, yeah, it's funny, you don't see many double acts so much anymore. There were, there were more then, I think. I mean, name me four double acts working around now, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, bastard. I, I used to be in the double act, but the reason we stopped was because venues pay by the act and not by the person. Yeah, well, that's, you a, know. that's a familiar thing. It's and a, also, he was an awful man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you loved him. In a way. <laughs> <laughs> so when you went to the comedy store, um, the, the, who were the other performers that were around... Well, I'll tell you who was on the bill that night. It was uh, John Hegley. Um, yeah, good old John. Um, Chris Barry. Do you remember him? Wow. Yeah, who used to be in um, the Britass Empire. Do you remember? Yeah. He was an impressionist. Uh, and Tony Allen, who was this kind of guru figure. And in a sense, I think he was the one who sort of led the way. Then it became, it became known as alternative cabaret. It wasn't mm. alternative comedy then. Uh, in the listings, you know, and it was kind of mixed in with cabaret, and there more, were more cabaret acts around. Yeah. Uh, 
not that I was, but then in the end that kind of got crushed by the sort of stand-up thing. Yeah. Uh, which sort of fairly rapidly became quite big and has become this sort of immense thing now. I think it's, it's, it's kind of interesting, and I've said this before in, in this show, that the comedy circuit in, I guess, London mainly, started off in the kind of early 80s being cabaret, being alternative cabaret. Yeah. And there was a lot of kind of speciality acts and really odd stuff. And then oh, it became... Yeah mainly stand-up mm. and now we've got cabaret back again there's now a cabaret section yeah. time out again yeah absolutely i think i think they uh, they have cut they've done on a little separate journey and there was a period when it was in abeyance really cabaret yeah. you know, it was a bit like let's sneer at the mime act you know yeah totally yeah oh what well, yeah, you juggle do you fuck off mate <laughs> yeah that was basically my 90s right there <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah sorry about that man <laughs> It wasn't you. It was well, that's what they delivered in the comedy store when they opened the second one. I deliberately had a low ceiling to keep <laughs> the jugglers out. <laughs> Fucking. <laughs> no, I've got nothing against jugglers, you know. Uh... Oh, good. <laughs> got nothing against stand ups. <laughs> Despite what I said in the part one of the show. <laughs> um, it's been rainy, hasn't it? <laughs> When we, when we, this is a six-month season. When the, the first show we did here, it was snowing outside, and now we're in July, and it's pretty much still snowing outside. Yeah, but I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm low, well, I do want to talk about the weather because we're in Britain. But uh, I noticed they've said that the Gulf Stream now has sort of gone lower, and this is why it's uh, caused this. And but then it's going to stay lower. So I mean, no one seems to have noticed this. That's the end of summers in Britain. There aren't any left. It's just going to be like this forever. And then getting worse. This place will be flooded. You, you are essentially here to be funny, Arthur. Um, yeah, kind of ruining... The, it's the last show. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I saw some funny acts back in those days. Uh, you know, there was the man who used to famously used to melt a block of ice. Oh, the ice. The we ice have talked man. about the ice man here yeah, in the past, there was, yes. Uh, uh, I, I, there was, I remember introducing a transvestite act who came on in a blonde wig and announced she was Myra Hindley. <laughs> it's quite edgy, I'd say. <laughs> As famously as Malcolm used to have down at East Club, Malcolm Hardy at Up the Creek, well, he had, a, he had a, a tap dancing Swede who didn't realise that the stage was carpeted. <laughs> uh, I, saw, I saw an act called Sylvie Bottle Knocker. You ever come across her? <laughs> she used to open bottles with her tits. <laughs> that, that was her act. Wow. I don't know how she spun it out in ten minutes, but... <laughs> <laughs> you trade it to do uh, a wine bottle, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you ever see the box man? Oh, that rings a bell. Yeah, he used to get into get in a, a packing case with his arms and legs out of holes and stick swords through his own box. That's yeah, that's right. And then he went to work for MI5, didn't he? And that all went horribly wrong. Oh. <laughs> Boom! There it is. <laughs> Actually, I did remember an act. There was an act called, um, well, I still vaguely you know, Frankie. Uh, anyway, she used to get in, she was a very small girl, she used to get inside a bag and put her arms and legs out and sort of walk around in it. It was quite good. But <laughs> <laughs> well, that was just at home in my bedroom. I mean, I don't. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> it's all about the small venues these days. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I was talking to someone about the Iceman the other day, and they told me that he had agreements with all the restaurants near the venues he worked. That they would keep ice for him. Oh, really? Yeah. I That's suppose... an astonishing amount of planning. Well, you've got to ring up the restaurant, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, to me, is an astonishing yeah, no, amount of planning. No, I agree. Was that Mickey Flanagan joke about he, he went to microwave something and he said you had to stir it halfway through. He said, that's not microwaving, that's cooking. <laughs> <laughs> so, what, I mean, we, we, we have you in the review troupe. What, yes. what got you there? What made you want to perform? I was just always a bit of a, you know, I liked being funny. I enjoyed it. I was, uh, I recognised early on, you know, when I was at... School and when I was about nine or something, the teacher said we're going to do a production of Peter Pan, and I was so excited. I went home and wrote Peter Pan, uh, <laughs> and I mean I don't know what I wrote. It was, must have been unperformable. Was you can have any part in it? So I went for Doc, uh, not Doctor Hook. I mean, um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was an unusual version. It was uh, yeah. uh, Peter Stringfellow and Doctor Hook. Yeah. <laughs> No, it was, uh, so I went for Captain Hook, obviously, and I came on with my coat hanger arm, you know, and uh, went to, it, it ran at the, someone in the front in, intending to terrify them, but they laughed, uh, and I discovered that I was much funnier as Captain Hook than terrifying. Um, and I think I kind of, even then, I was intoxicated by the sound of laughter and, you know, the feeling that it gave me. And I sort of, there on in, was always up for doing, showing off, being funny, you know, I was a show-off. I wasn't bullied, particularly, that's the usual uh, narrative. I wasn't, uh, you know, I just liked doing it, because it made people like me, I suppose, which is famously what was true of a lot of entertainers, that's why they do it. <sighs> <laughs> Shall I sing Jingle Bells backwards? No, not yet, not yet. Like, right. to save, save the finish, Arthur. Right. Sorry. Um, so what was the point at which it became, you know, something that you thought, this is going to actually now be my job for my life? Well, it, yeah. it was quite late, really. Uh, even, even later on, I was in a band for a while uh, in the uh, late 70s, early 80s. Uh, and, I, and I was in a band and still doing the review, and it was stand-up came after. I just, like... I don't think even then I sort of thought I could make a living out of this, really. I just like doing it. But then slowly, I suppose, when I, the first time as a stand-up you get paid, it's just the most sublime experience. Even if it's usually like a tenor or something, you probably remember. Uh, but it's like I've been paid for just standing on the stage trying to make people laugh, and I must have been good enough that I've been paid a tenor. Uh, and that's sort of intoxicating. And, you know, and I got to a point where I was teaching, at this point, teaching English to foreign students during the day. And then I was gigging so much at night. And then, then, and I, used to, and then I was getting on the telly a bit. Even, so I used to give them homework to my class was to watch me on the telly. <laughs> <laughs> and then answer questions about it. <laughs> and then there was one morning I'd done a gig in Cambridge. I'd come back and I was on the tube again going up to this fucking miles off job. And there was a review in the Guardian of our show. And I thought, well, if I've been reviewed in the paper, oh, fuck it. And then I, that was it. I stopped then. And I haven't really, you know, apart from my job as a paper boy, which I've always kept on. <laughs> <laughs> I have worked uniquely in the field of entertainment. So, as we've said, that field of entertainment has taken you on, on television. You do a lot of work on radio. Mm. You've written... Is, is, is live still the medium that you prefer? Well, it, it, it's like two different things, you know, they're, they're almost the opposite. You know, there's live performing and writing, in a sense, I think, are the two arms of what I do, essentially. And 
you know, one of them is, you know, people are looking at you, uh, drinking heavily, you know. They, <laughs> there you are. <laughs> you know, they give you a big clap when you come on. That doesn't happen in most jobs, does it? You know, they like arrive at McDonald's, everyone's giving you a round of applause, you know. Uh, so, uh, uh, so, hang on, where the hell am I talking about? Uh, last thing I remember is doing my O-levels. Uh, so, yes, whatever I said there, imagine the end of it. What was I talking about? <laughs> I thought it was only a chat, so I'll have you a quick joint before I go on. How, you, how you preferred um, the Yes, night. well, and, and, yes, and in writing, it's utterly solitary. You turn your computer on, you start, you finish, you don't see anyone, and then, uh, so, and then it's like there's a big party going on next door. So I like to do both. I, I, would, I wouldn't want to give up performing completely, as I know... I've come, you know, I've got various friends who started out in stand-up, and they kind of, in the end, because they're too much on the telly or they're doing too well, they don't, they sort of lose doing live, and they, I know they regret it a bit. You sort of, and the longer you go without doing it, as you know, I'm sure, mate, the sort of more you think, oh, I wonder if I can still do it. Yeah. Uh, so I'm glad I've always kept, uh, you know, that string to my bow, and I imagine I will until. Uh, they stop booking me or my legs fall off. <laughs> Which do you think will come first? Well, I've got diabetes. Oh, so then maybe... <laughs> so... I'll... So it's 50-50. Legs. Hey? Legs. 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 Right. The consensus is legs. Well, mind you, they can still pull me on and hook me torso over the back. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a hell of an act, actually, wouldn't it? Yeah, we'll book it. We'll book doing it. Act if it's just a, from well, you've only just got from the waist up. Is there? There probably is one. Is there? I don't know. You certainly wouldn't qualify as a stand-up comedian. <laughs> that's it. That's we're done. We're done. I'm going. <laughs> well, it's only good. that's why I said it in the first place. Just the audience could keep up with me. Uh, I was there. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I. Uh, yeah, having no legs, actually, there's no uh, part to doing stand-up, really, is it? No. I'm, I'm, is there a paraplegic stand-up? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure there must be. I'm sure there's... Adam Hills. Adam Hills? <laughs> well, no, he's got one foot missing or something. That's not the same as being a paraplegic. <laughs> Jim Sweeney still dancing in the chair. Yeah, yeah. Jim, Jim doesn't perform anymore, he though. No, no, dear Jim. He does post brilliant videos on YouTube. Yeah, he's wonderful, Jim. I went yeah. to see him a few weeks ago. Yeah, he's, um, he was a brilliant improviser. You know, he's, he was sort of the early improvisers, even before the Comedy Store Players. Him and a guy called uh, Steve Steen, who's doing the Comedy yeah. Store Players, used to just do an act where they'd go and improvise it all. Mind you, it's funny, you, you kind of see that more in different ways now as well. I know there's... You know, when I started, there was a kind of no-to-audience participation. You didn't fucking do audience. You know, that was for, like, clowns or something. You know, that was... Uh, you know, that was cheating. Like, all the old lady Americans, hi, where do you do? Where are you from? Sort of stuff was deemed to be... You know, Tony Allen famously went to a gig in the, to an American and he said, hi, what do you do? Where? He said, I, I'm Tony. Uh, I'm a comedian. What do you do? Uh, <laughs> and so... Uh, but I know it's a stage a bit of a comeback. And, you yeah. know, good. I like with Adam Riches and the, the boy with tape on his face. Quite he was brilliant. a couple of months ago. Yeah, yeah. he's a brilliant. Amazing. Act. Okay, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry about that. There's a sort of thing where you, when I finish talking, you see. You keep doing You're it. meant to ask yeah, well, a yes, question. No, I know. <laughs> you do this thing when you finish talking and I think you're going to say one more thing and you don't. Please stop doing that. <laughs> that thing. That, see, see, that was it. 
<laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask a, 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 a crappy, cliche question. Um, but you've been doing it long enough, you must have some brilliant heckle stories. Well, yeah, I suppose. Actually, funny enough, the, the, I think the most brutal heckle I ever heard was quite recently at some gig. It wasn't to me, it was to an act who was sort of, to be honest, he was sort of in his early 40s. It wasn't that good, his act, you know, and no one was really enjoying it that much. And suddenly a woman at the back stood up and said, I think you need to think about the way your life is going. <laughs> You can't imagine anything more crushing than that, can you? Wow. I mean, fuck off, you're useless. Nothing, that is. And I did a gig where a bloke poured a pint of his own urine over me. But he wasn't really heckling, he was just joining in, you know. And I was doing a street show once in Covent Garden and a woman took a shit in my show. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, just took a... Walked out, down. pulled up a skirt, did it, pulled a skirt back up and walked wow. out. Um, you'd never seen a more terrified audience. It's a pretty radical act. It is quite the criticism, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, but brilliant, you've got to say that. Oh, you, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think it's I think hard she to was, follow that. Yeah, yeah. I think she was fairly mental, to be fair. But <laughs> yeah, I think you'd have to be really, wouldn't you? To, to watch well, the apparently show. Malcolm Hardy, you know, he, he did once have a shit on stage. I think, there's a bet or something. <laughs> it's not, I didn't see it, fortunately. I think <laughs> maybe it's nice. just a rumour, but it was uh, talk of it, I remember. One of many rumours about Malcolm that are all probably true. Yeah, well, if they're not, they may as well be. Exactly. <laughs> Believe the legend. Yeah. Um, so you're the mayor of Ballam? Yes. Yes. Nightmare I don't do days is my line. How did this come about? Well, I declared myself the mayor of Ballam. <laughs> You want to try it, Matt? Make yourself the mayor of Bethnal Green. Done. There you are. <laughs> Mind you, there really is a mayor of Bethnal Green, is there or not? Yeah, me. We just established. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> but there yeah. isn't actually technically a mayor of Ballam. There's a mayor of Wandsworth. So you know, I'm not. I'm not rivaling the man in the cheap suit and the chain. You know, I'm, a, nice. I'm my own dick gig, mayor of Ballam. And you're the Mayor of Bethnal Green. It's a mayoral debate now. It, it feels good. <laughs> um, OK, so you, you, you mentioned this earlier, and um, I am nothing if not a lover of, of uh, cheap gimmickry and, and party pieces. <laughs> you can sing Jingle Bells backwards. Yes, I can. Uh, and I'm going to. I mean, of course, you don't, when I say backwards, I was chatting to uh, your charming stage manager, Maud, who, who can apparently just recite words backwards, you know, just get the letters and switch them straight yeah, around yeah, and speak. Yeah, you can just give Maud a sentence and she'll say it backwards. Yeah. In fact, why don't we tire on it should now? We, should we do that? Maud, come on, Maud. Come on. Now, it does take a while to, to, to filter. Come on, Maud. It's not an instant thing. OK, so someone give us a short sentence. No, okay, that's hopeless. I'll give you a short sentence, Maud. My, no, oh, we'll go on and do that. Eknetnes trosa. All right, I'm going to give you a longer sentence. All right, here we go. My name is Maud, and I am very charming and beautiful. Okay. Um, uh, Nimrak. Uh, ma, I do am a man sat in. <laughs> Yeah, yes, you can. 
Thank you. Thank you, Paul. That's good. Yeah. But Lee. is it a Christmas song? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whereas mine backwards is, is actually what you get if you flip it backwards. Uh, so you won't really know that I'm doing this. They may, or you're doing a podcast, aren't you? you might be we, can, we can probably turn this the right way around in the podcast. Yeah, exactly, yeah. but not now. So we can just assume that I've done it really well. <laughs> <laughs> No, but this is it, all right? This is, this is the first little bit of Jingle Bells, the tune and the words backwards. Is Neposona one of the city and after war? Eh, woe, woe, ulich, lebunich, lebunij. You see, obviously, slebonich is. Jingle bells. Yeah. Schnebonich. Schnebonich. Sounds Russian. Yeah, it does sound Russian. I mean, I wonder if you turn Russian round, they're all speaking English. <laughs> or at least the entire nation is singing Christmas songs. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to gently start winding up here, but um, it, it, it would be remiss of me to, to not mention this. Um, you are a bit of a legend at the Edinburgh Festival. I've played it many times, your, yes. Your first fringe was when? 1977. Before even you were born, Matt, possibly. Not quite. I fucking you... wish. Yeah, well, I was just trying to treat you like a girl. It's always a good trick. <laughs> Don't we know this, gents? That's very nice. You've only got a lie. However flagrant a lie, <laughs> if you mistake a woman's age by four or five years younger, you're quids in, aren't you? I used to know a man... Well who... done. Thank you. <laughs> who did, did that for a living. He was on a, a, a fun fair, he used to come to Covent Garden twice oh, a year. Really? And he was King of the Guessers. And oh, he had a right. crown and a sign that said King of the Guessers. And he would basically, you would pay him uh, two pounds and he would immediately guess your age. And if he was wrong, like two years either way out, he would give you a prize worth 50p. So it means he was right one out of four. He didn't even out. try. Because <laughs> even if he got it wrong every single time, he was still making £1.50 on the deal. Yeah, so you'd walk up and go, here's your £2, and he'd go, I don't know, 50 It's a toy. <laughs> it would just... What anyway. a brilliant idea. I'm surprised no-one's thought to revive that. King of the guesses. King of the guesses, yeah. So, um, I am going to the Edinburgh Festival this year. I've been a couple of times, but nowhere near the amount of times that you have been. So, my final question is, do you have any advice for me? Yeah, probably these days I shouldn't bother to go. <laughs> No. You know, no, but... no, no, no. I only say that because I think it is a lot harder and it's a slightly different atmosphere from when I started Edinburgh when it was a little bit more amateurish and there weren't that many, um, you know, there weren't even any stand-ups there. No such thing as stand-up in the very first year I went. There were sort of reviews of about 60 shows in total. So it's like kind of everyone used to meet together, didn't you? And there was no one earned any money. But now, of course, you've got this huge machine with, uh, you know, and then you can't move for fucking agents and PR people and, you know... Uh, I sometimes I get a little depressed about how it is, but nevertheless, you still can have a great time, and it is like the biggest uh, artistic orgy in the world. It's the <laughs> motherfucker of all festivals, Edinburgh. Uh, I, what was the question? What advice would I give you? Yeah. Uh, don't despair too much. Uh, <laughs> oh, I will. Don't ever expect to really eat. Um, take some spare socks. Okay. <laughs> I think, ladies and with that, thank you, Mr. Arthur Smith.
Ladies and gentlemen, we are fast approaching the end of this final show. But we have one more act for you this evening. We have our headline act. Are you ready for the headline act? Yes! Are we ready for the headline act? Yeah, OK, just checking. Just checking. Um, it is my absolute pleasure. I couldn't think of a, a better closing act. And don't forget that after the show tonight, stay here. We're going to party. The bar's open until it stops getting used tonight. So hang out. Please party with us. Um, and to get us into that mood, please welcome the undisputed heavyweight champion of chat pop, the mighty, mighty Mr. B, the gentleman Rhymer! Thank you most kindly, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. This is, this is what happens. There have not even been any stand-up comedians actually doing stand-up tonight, but still the microphone stand is utterly knackered. <laughs> this is what happens, you see. You go to Edinburgh and you go on a show that has 35 acts, 34 of them being stand-up comedians and 35th being me, and uh, you, you, try, you try and stand up and everything just goes... <laughs> so you'd find yourself following a microphone around. But I'm here now and everything's fine. Hoorah! Hoorah! Chap hop! Hoorah! Chap hop! Hoorah! Chap hop! Hoorah! I might use that one again. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I'm going to give you a couple of little history lessons here because uh, it is an e educational show after all. So, we shall start off. So, pay attention. Hit in Dean J. <laughs> Thank you most kindly, ladies and gentlemen. Well, I shall leave you and indeed leave. Matt's lovely stage here with, a, with another history lesson. So I think we're going to have to crank up the beats on this one because we're really going to get raving really here. See, around about 1988 or so, an old school chum of mine, Edward, decided for some reason unbeknownst to me to rechristen himself Acid Ted. <laughs> I, I, I've no idea why he did this, but he used to take me to places often very much like this. And, uh, yes. and he used to give, uh, give me these uh, uh, sweets that made me feel uh, rather queer. <laughs> uh, this is for him. Hit it, DJ. Any mountain is capable of moving. I'm a gentleman rhymer and I'm proving. You can be what you want to be. Let your soul and your body and your mind be free. There's nothing in the world that can hold us back. Write down a lyric, put it down on wax, a cold rock. And take it straight to the top with an attitude that writing cannot be stopped. Send your mind what you want and you can get high. Put detailed thought into every desire. Believe in yourself, you know that you're fine. There's no cart in a trouble free mind, one of a kind. We are all that. And going all the way is where I'm at. With delivery smooth like water from a fountain. That's why I can move any mountain. Oh! 
woman in court, I did only know makeup, a nice cup of tea and a china cup, a cup of tea, and a nice hot cross bun, ask about sugar, I take none, it made me physically sick, physically sick, physically, physically, physically sick, it made me physically sick, physically sick, physically, physically, physically sick. I like to move it more, I like to move it more, I like to move it more, we like to I like to move it more, I like to move it more, I like to move it more, we like to And I take you back now to the second summer of love. Let me take you to a place I know you want to go. It's a good vibe. Yeah. Spin around and grab your Just don't say no Or there may be consequences I have got a feeling that you're going to like it What I'm doing to you <laughs> And when I'm doing what I'm doing I'll be doing what you want me to do Grammatically ambiguous, we've been running a lot of drugs One for the connoisseurs now And the Mozarts of techno Traps from Kent or somewhere. It's lasers for eyes. Edward would sit around his place, smoke the odd hookah, and speak absolute gibberish. Sometimes sounding like this, you say. What day, what day, what done to die day, what day, what day, what done to die day, what day, what day, what done to die day, what day, what day, you not know what to die day, what? This is the hands in the air moment, ladies and gentlemen. Day in, what day on, on, what to die day, what? What day in, what day on, on, what to die day, what? I'm getting sent into outer space. Find another race. You sing it. I'm getting Another dimension. I'll take your brain to another dimension. I'll take your brain to another dimension. Pay close attention. I'll take your brain to another dimension. I'll take your brain to another dimension. I'll take your brain to another dimension. Pay close attention. Pay close attention. Pay close attention. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been Mr. B, the gentleman rhymer. Pip pip, cheerio, and we'll see you at the bar.
And that's the last London Varieties of 2012. And I'd like to thank a few people who helped make this project possible. The Bethnal Green at Working Men's Club, love that place. Kirsty at Sounds Wild, who produces both the live show and the podcast. Corey Doctro for his continued support. Jesse Thorne for the inspiration. And Leslie Jones for keeping me from going completely bananas. But fear not. We're taking the show to the Edinburgh Festival, where we have a different lineup every single day. Interview guests so far confirmed include professional wrestling superstar Mick Foley, Piff the Magic Dragon, The Boy with Tape on His Face, Misbehave, Professor Richard Wiseman, Paul Zenon, Frisky and Manish, Marcel Lucant, and many, many more. It's going to be amazing. Of course, if you can't make it to the Fringe, we'll still be putting special bonus podcasts out so you can listen to the interviews. And while we're on the subject of Edinburgh, I'll also be performing my brand new one-man show, Vaudeville Schmuck, at the Edinburgh Fringe. Both shows will be at the Voodoo Rooms. Go to mattricardo.com for details of both. And rest assured, the London Varieties will be back next year. Bigger, badder and better. So until then, please do follow me on Twitter to keep informed about my next projects. I'm at Matt Ricardo, that's one T. And if you enjoyed the shows, it would be great if you'd leave a review on iTunes. It really does help. But for now, thank you so much for listening. And that was your London Varieties. Matt Ricardo's London Varieties.